And so we have done an outline, and um, I don't know if we have the outline on the board, but you have. Today we're talking about the church, a living body. But before that, we'll talk about the church, uh, a, a place of healing and a place of help. Um, so the first point of the series was the, ch- the definition of the church. A, group, a, a church is a group of baptized believers, flawed to be sure, growing together in the love of Christ. And then we dealt about with the word of believers, we dealt with the word baptized, we dealt with the word flawed, and that was a key element for me to deal with because somehow or another, when people come to a church, they think they're perfect people over there. Well, you'll think that just for about 10 seconds. Then you'll find out that you're not. You know, my children used to think that I was perfect. And they were doing a carpool with some friends. And when they came back from, when my wife came back from picking up the kids from the carpool and going back sort of by the house toward the school, I was going to work. And I saw some flashing lights, some dancing lights, the blue and the uh, red lights, you know, that was right behind me. And the guy got out of the car and stood there by the car while my kids were driving by. Right there they realized, hallelujah, that is not perfect. <laughs> so, but the reason I give this title for the church, um, Growing Together in the Love of Christ, that the church is a journey together. And it is a journey together in growing together in the love of Christ. In other words, nobody has arrived yet. Some people are maybe a little bit more mature. They have been longer Christians than maybe other people, whatever. And they have grown, and they are maybe at a little bit uh, mature, more mature level than others. And so as the mature ones, they take care of the younger ones that are new in the Lord, just like a regular household. I was the second of six children, the first boy, and I took care of my youngest brothers and sisters. I even made sure that they did the homework. My mom says, Kenny, just make sure they do the homework and help them, would you? Okay, mom, I'll do that. Ah, yes. So in the church, it's the same thing. Nobody is perfect. We need to help each other, growing together in the love of Christ. Then we talked about growing, this idea of growing together and building. We talked about the word together, because the word together is a big word when it comes to the church. It's a big word when it comes to a family, uh, to being together, being together. And we said that the word together has different meanings, being all together at one place at one time, or being together as in being on the same page. We're together on this thing, you know. Uh, maybe we had a dis- uh, we, we disagreed on how to get there. We sat at the table, came, and now we're together. On the same page. Or you might say, uh, somebody's got it together. They have their life together. Or you could have a a combination of all three meanings together. Uh, And that is what a church is about. Together. Together. Um, And then growing together in the love of Christ. Ultimately, it's about the love of Christ uh, being manifest in the church. So that the church can love people out there with that manifested love of Jesus Christ. 
that people out there would know that we belong to Jesus. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, Jesus is saying. For you have love for one another. That is the evidence. That is the proof for people out there that you belong to Jesus. So I can't preach on all that again and teach on all that again, so I'm walking through, through it. The, that was the first point, the definition of the church, and then the sub-points. The second point was the church, a spiritual house, a spiritual house. Many people are confused about the church. They think it's the physical house. Uh-uh. That is called the church building. That is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you went to the temple to go visit with God. Now God is in this temple and in that temple. He lives in here. So the church is a spiritual house. Often people are mistaken and they put the emphasis on the physical house. And the physical house, if you put too too much emphasis on there, then you'll end up with the huge, beautiful, large churches in Europe, the Notre Dame de Paris. Gorgeous, beautiful, monumental building that is gorgeous everywhere you look. You look to the ceiling, it is gorgeous. You look in the front, it's gorgeous. You look to the right, to the left, behind you, it is absolutely gorgeous. You look to the floor, it is gorgeous. But it is a physical house. When you're looking for a spiritual house, and you go there on Sunday, a handful of believers in this humongous church. So, a spiritual house. Let's have the emphasis at the right place. Then the church together, uh, out of the book of Ephesians, we learn that the church together, God says, if the church is coming together, God says, that's where I want to live. God's inner dwelling place. I can't go over all the scriptures again, okay, folks, because otherwise I cannot progress. But uh, if you want to know where it is, it is in Ephesians uh, 2, 21 and 22. You could read a longer segment in there if you wanted to. Uh, then, fourthly, the church. And in the church, it is about the unity and the oneness. Unity. Unity. And I always want to clarify the word unity because a lot of people think that unity means everybody is in agreement with every other detail with everybody else. This is simply not true. You're not even in agreement with your spouse on everything, let alone with a church body. So it is not about, it is about, and I give you my definition, the oneness in spirit and in purpose of that which is made up out of diverse people. Are you with me? The oneness in purpose and in spirit. The oneness in purpose, sometimes we, we, we do that all right. We know where we want to go. But then we don't agree how we're going to get there. And that's fine. Just as long as we have also oneness of spirit. So that nobody thinks that they, they got it all. They got the whole puzzle. And they get upset when somebody else has a different opinion. No, 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 no. It might very well be that God is giving you one part of the puzzle and somebody else one part of the puzzle and somebody else one part of the puzzle. And when you come to the table, you see that, oh, God has given us together a wonderful puzzle and a wonderful picture. So the unity and the oneness. We're going to talk about the oneness here after a little while, so I'll, I'll forego that for right now. And then uh, 
Fifthly, the church, her working and mission, we talked about that last week, uh, for he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers, and we talked about it last week, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So God has given certain offices to the church as he saw fit that there be some apostles, there be some prophets, there be some, be some uh, 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 evangelists and some pastors and teachers that t- to gather these offices, teach the rest of the flock to become ministers. They equip the rest of the flock to become ministers. They are not just equippers. They themselves are also ministers. So they can say, well... <laughs> I'm here to equip the saints, and I'll just chill for a little while, and, you know, just as long as you guys are doing the work. No, they are also ministers themselves, but they have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to have these offices so that they can, they can prepare the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. That ultimately, that ultimately the body might grow and, and, and look, grow in love for itself and for the Lord. So, and then today, um, and then I, I ended last week with the, the church, a sweet-smelling savor, um, that when Christ offered himself as a sacrifice because he loved us, and then that was a sweet-smelling uh, a savor, a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Father. As he saw that the Son was sacrificing himself because he loved us so much, the Father breathed and... Ah, smells good. And the same thing is true when we love one another, like Christ has loved us. It is a sweet-smelling savor to the Father. He breathes. What a wonderful thing. And so, this is what I want for us that we become not only a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of the Father, but that we become a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of each other. See, Maritza, you know, her parents are over here, and I'm so glad that God has brought Maritza and Ruben across our paths because they have been to me Personally, and I know to you, a sweet-smelling savor. When I think of Ruben and Maritza, <sighs> smells good. Anyways, smells good. Now, today, we have talked about this already, but I want to bring that picture back up because the church also, uh, seventhly, is a place of healing and growth. Healing and growth. And then today we're also going to talk about, eighthly, the church is a living body. So we'll talk about those two things. So the church, a place of healing. If we can put the picture on the screen of the rescuing hug, this is a a, a very familiar story. If you Google it, it will pop up just like that. And it's a story about two, a, a, a twin, two girls. When they were born, there was one doing really well, and the other one was sickly. The, the pink t- turned to blue. Uh, the, there was fever. There was irregular heartbeat. And there was crying. And they were in two separate incubators. When a nurse remembered, oh, in Europe, sometimes they put the babies together in one in- incubator. And she had to fight the doctors to an extent 
to be able to do that because to that time they were not yet, yet used to it here in the United States so much. So when they did that, within a couple of days, the fever was gone, the crying was gone, the color returned, and um, what was the other one I was saying? And her heartbeat became regular because as soon as they put the healthy one with the sickly one, the healthy one put her arms around the sickly one. And that touch, that comfort that she had felt in the womb and was separated from outside the womb, now she felt comforted again. And, 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 and within days, the sickly one became healthy. So my dear brothers and sisters, my question to you is, whom are you going to hug today? that they might be healed. And the hug is not just a, just a physical hug. It could be a smile. It could be a note. It could be a text. It could be a kind word. Whatever that hug is, which whom are you going to hug today that they might be healed? They might, that they might walk out of here a different person than that they came, came in. Because the church is a, supposed to be a place of healing, a place of refuge, a safe place where people, where they come, they experience hospitality. And in that word hospitality is the word hospital. Okay. This is a church where people will get healed. I'm not talking about this church here on, on uh, uh, Walden Road. This is part of the, the church. I'm talking about this is what the church is, the church is designed to be out there. Every church is supposed to be like that. That there's hospitality. That people, when they come over here, they feel warm and welcomed. And by that alone, there might be some healing. Some people go to a church. And, you know, Peter, Peter was saying earlier that our greeting time is very important. It's very important to me. It is designed so that people get a hug, a handshake, a smile, or whatever. Because some people come to a church so broken, all they want is somebody to shake their hand and look them in the eye. And when they don't find it, they are discouraged greatly because if they're not going to find it in a church, where are they going to find it? This is why this is called also a sanctuary. People find sanctuary here, or they're supposed to. Sanctuary. You know, in ancient days, even a criminal was safe in a sanctuary. They couldn't get him till he got out of the sanctuary. So they waited him out <laughs> till he got hungry. Then he had to come out or whatever, you know, and then they got him. But inside the sanctuary, even a criminal was safe. So this is the church, my brothers and sisters. And the sooner we grab a hold of that idea that this is who we are, the better of the church will be. And the better of those who are coming to the church will be. 
when they find a pat on the back, a word of encouragement, a smile. <laughs> when I talk about a smile, my mind always goes back to because it, it was impactful to me on several levels. My mind goes back to uh, a young woman who grew up in this church. So I met her probably when she was 12 years old, maybe 11, but I think maybe 12. Now she's a woman of 27 years old or something like that. Well, she came to the church, and we had a, a, a little lunch afterwards. And she came, and she put her hand around me. And she says, Pastor, your smile makes me so happy. I'm, I'm serious. And of course, isn't it going to bless you when somebody says, your smile makes me so happy. You made somebody happy. That's a blessing, isn't it? It was a blessing to me. But then in my quiet time, you know, in my quiet time, I sit and I ponder a little bit and I sit and I study, study the scriptures. And then, poof, all of a sudden, I ponder, I lean back. Look out there, there's some birds outside the window and some flowers. And, and I pondered. And I thought to myself, Lord, Lord, a smile impacted me. How easy is it to impact other people's lives if a smile can do it? Well, I thought maybe it was just me. So I told this to a friend of mine. We're having a meeting. And my, uh, a gentleman named Brian Gray. You won't find a finer brother. Brian Gray, right there in the library. We're having a meeting. And I was telling him, hey, you know what happened to me? The other day, his sister, she came around me, and she says, your smile makes me so happy. I say, a smile. He says, I know exactly what you mean, Pastor. The other day, I was at the H-E-B store. It's a long, a long line of people. Everybody was so serious. Everybody was in a hurry. And this man walked by me, and I smiled at him. He made a few more steps, and he turned around and says, Oh, thank you for that smile. So, my dear brothers and sisters, it is not that difficult. But what is difficult is to be intentional about it. Intentional that you will see to it that you would minister to somebody else. Right, brother? That you would be intentional about Blessing other people out there. I tell you, I have to tell you another story. This is another woman. Her name is Lisa. She's married. She has two sons. One fine, wonderful husband. Lisa. Lisa, when she was young, she was a troublemaker. And for whatever reason, I fall in love with troublemakers. Because this is something that played in my mind that these troublemakers sometime in their life they're going to need somebody to talk to. And I want to open the door. That if sometimes she needs somebody to talk to that she might talk to me. And that's the way it happened. She grew up and, uh, and she knew that I loved her. And so we have had conversations I have a conversation since over the phone. Uh, we usually have a nice long conversation uh, or when she comes in town, her parents live in town over here, and so on and so forth. And we, we, had, we had talked about, 
you know, when we go to a restaurant and then sometimes when we ask a blessing on the food, we ask the waiter or waitress, hey, listen, we are going to ask a blessing on the food. Can we pray something for you? Your job, your family, your school, or whatever. And most, 90% of the time or 95% of the time, people say, yes, my family, or yes, my school, or yes, my job, or whatever the situation might be. And then sometimes they even stay with us there and pray with us. But if it's too busy, I say, if it's too busy, you go ahead and go about your business. We'll pray for you. Uh, but sometimes they stay right over there. I was telling her about that. And sometimes I just like to, you know, pay for somebody else. So she was telling me, we're on the phone. This was maybe two and a half weeks ago or so. Lisa and I are talking on the phone. And she says, I was in a funk. And then I went to, what is the coffee place? Starbucks. I went to Starbucks, but there were not too many people in there. And I was looking to get a blessing. Okay? (laughs) She was looking to get a blessing, to lift her spirits a little bit. So she was looking to pay ahead for somebody else. Somebody that was coming after her, that she said, yep, I put my credit card in there, I got you. Ah, but it was not anybody, and she waited for a little while, and in a little while, this lady comes in. And she got her. She paid for her. And the lady asked her, I don't know why you did that. She says, well, I just want to bless you. I get a blessing out of blessing somebody else. She says, it is remarkable that you would do that. Because today, I was in the pit of pits. My mom is deadly sick. And I was down. My mom means so much to me. And, uh, and you know what? It just so happens, her mom, she, she goes to a big church, so it's, it's not unusual that you don't know her, but her mom is going to her church. Didn't know it. Didn't know it. She just wants to bless somebody. So, she is intentional about blessing other people. The church. That we would be intentional. You don't have to pay for somebody else if you don't want to. I have been in restaurants where a friend, hey, how you doing? And I sit and uh, ask the waitress, and the ticket? No, he, he took care of it. Oh, he's long gone, but he took, took care of it. So that's happened to me as well. People just, it's fun, but you don't have to do that. Just a smile. Just a kind word. Okay, then now the church, the church, a living body. Woohoo! <laughs> the church, a living body. We look at Romans 12, verses 14 and uh, verses 5, 4 and 5. And um, Romans 12, verses 4 and, 4 and 5. In the NIV, it says something like this. Just as, as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Whoa! That's a mouthful. So, let's look at it. I'm sorry, we're looking at... Um, Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. This was Peter where we talked about the, the building and the spiritual house and the physical house. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. Verses 12, verses 4 and 5. And I want to show you some things about 
a living body. You, you, you understand that the church is a living body? Yes? Uh, let me put it this way. The church is supposed to be a living body. <laughs> All right? So, um, so, no problem. No problem. There we go. For just as each of us, each of us has one body, one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Verse 5 says, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. We're all part of each other. In the church today, the emphasis would be on many members. As long as the church has many members, she is happy. People are happy. But I think that with God, and I have some scriptures to substantiate what I'm saying to you. I think that with God, it is about one body more than it is about many members. One body. Because, my dear brothers and sisters, just because there are many members does not mean you have a body. Or a live body. Let me illustrate it to you. So that maybe I can convince you. Have you ever bought at KFC a big bucket of chicken? Yeah? Yeah, Brother Joe, you have? Yes. <laughs> or did you buy two of them or whatever? Brother Joe, he can eat, I tell you. <laughs> so, now, Brother Joe, you tell me. What do you have in that bucket? What do you have? Tell me what do you have. Many pieces. Many pieces like thighs. legs, thighs, huh? breast, wings. breast, wings. Many members. Many members. But is it a life body? Many members of chicken in that bucket. I want to tell you what the characteristics are of a life body. A life body means that the members, the parts, have a relationship. Just like Peter was talking about a building... That we are living stones and with which the Father wants to build a spiritual house that will bring spiritual sacrifices to Him acceptable to, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In a building, the bricks have a relationship. If it is a pile of bricks in a parking lot, it is not a building. Many churches are like a pile of bricks in a in a parking lot, no relationship. When somebody comes and steals a brick, nobody notices. So Peter talks about a building. Paul also talks about buildings. But in this scenario, he talks about a body. And the body is a living body because the members of the body are in relationship with one another. The second characteristic of a life body is that there is pain in a life body. Have you ever felt pain? Because you're alive. My brothers and sisters, if you're dead, 
There ain't no pain. You're dead. So, when out of the, bu- the bucket of KFC, you take a leg, you hear the chicken, ah, no, it's dead. It's dead. You take a leg, nobody might even notice you took a leg. Oh, there's a leg missing. No, it was full. It's now just about full. You know, somebody took a leg. And, but if it is a live body, my dear brothers and sisters, and somebody severs a leg from that live chicken, even a six-year-old, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> even a six-year-old can tell you there's something wrong with that chicken. And my dear brothers and sisters, when you take that leg away, it hurts. Okay? That chicken will carry on because you took that leg away. Let's bring it to the church. Some churches, when somebody leaves, is severed from the body. There is no pain. Because it's dead. It is dead. That's why there's no pain. My dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you something over here. Uh, Maritza and, and Ruben, okay, we loved Maritza and Ruben. This is a, a prime example. We know that God moved them to San Antonio. But brother, there was pain involved. You hear the amens? This is not your fault. We know that God moved you over there. So we were, we were pleased with that. We were fine with that. We had peace with that. And we wish you all the well. We, we prayed over you. We sent you off to San Antonio. We want all the best for you. But don't you think for a moment that didn't hurt because we love them. And this is a live body. There's something going on. If somebody leaves and there's no pain, you had nothing going in the first place. Frank and Cindy, the same way. We didn't, they came for a few months. We fell in love with them. And God moved them to San Antonio. If you don't, there's still pain. This is no guilt trip on them. I'm just telling you, there was a relationship. We went to Israel together, Frank and I. That is a body, the church. If it is a life body, my brothers and sisters, there's a relationship. And because there's a relationship, when a member is severed from the body... It hurts. So, then I want to tell you, I'm still talking about the church. So, but would you agree with me that sometimes in the church, we go about things in a worldly way? Yes? You don't agree with me? I want to get, you want me to give you some examples? Well, I'll give you some examples. So, I call the worldly way like club member. This is the body of Christ. This is the church. That in some places, it is like a club member or a club type member. And then, in what's supposed to be, it's like a body type member. Are you with me? Okay, so let me give you a couple of examples. 
a club type member. Uh, I'll just read a few to you. How is that? Club type member. A club type member is independent. A body type member is dependent. A body type member is dependent on the rest of the body, yes? Okay, I, I want to show you that my forearm, this one over here, my forearm, is dependent upon my upper arm, and my hand is dependent upon my forearm, yes? And the forearm cannot just say, hey, I don't want to be part of this body any longer. I, I, I'm going on my own, my forearm. See what I'm saying? So the, the club top member, one a club type member is independent. A body type member is dependent. There is relationship. They get their substance. They get their feeding. They get their nourishment from somebody else. Secondly, in a club type member, there are prominent members and other members. Yeah, remember, I'm talking about the church. This might work in the world already. But in the church, if there's prominent members and other members, this is not the church that God has for us. In the church, every member is prominent. Every member is prominent. We need to get it, folks. Because in James' time, in biblical times, they had that problem also. James is saying in chapter 2, Hey, listen, don't be a respecter of persons. So he says, don't think there are some more prominent than others. Because if a rich man comes in your church and he looks like so much gold that you have to put on sunglasses so, so you don't have to squint, you know, he, he walks in and you say, hey, sit right over here, brother. <laughs> I have a place for you. And there comes a poor person in that looks obviously poor. Is dressed poor, maybe smells poor, maybe talks poor. I don't know what, 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 what he looks like. But he's coming in and you say, hey, you, you, you just sit in the back over there. James says, you have become judges with evil hearts. My dear brothers and sisters, the church needs to guard in every way that she can against this. Every member is a prominent member. And... In a club type membership, and the club type membership, remember, I'm talking about the church. Because that's the way some churches are. Yes? It's wrong. But that's why James warned us 2,000 years ago against this. Because in those days, people were prone to do the same thing. Okay? Thirdly, in a club type membership, you pay to join. You pay initiation fee or whatever to join. In a church... You ask. If you're a believer and you're baptized, you're in. In this church, anyways. In other churches, you have to take a test or something. In a club type memberships, there are a church or membership, there's a, a, a tiers of membership. The more you pay, the higher and more privileges you have. Okay? In a body type church, there is not such a thing as tears. In a club type membership, you get, if you pay more, you get admired more. 
Yes? Brothers and sisters, I know what I'm talking about because I've been in the club business most of my life. Country club this and country club that, this and that. So uh, the more you pay, you, the more you're admired. In the church, you don't get admired for paying more. In the church, you get admired for sacrificing, no matter how much you pay, how much you give. Yes? It is actually even possible that when you give less, that you give more. It is possible. It's possible that when you give less, you actually give more. Jesus said that about a, a, a widow. She just gave a few pennies. Some other were dropping in big bills. They're dropping the big bills for everybody to see the, the big bills that they were dropping in. The woman puts in a few pennies and Jesus says, hey, by the way, she gave more than all of y'all. She gave of her sacrifice. You gave out of your overflow. For you, it was not a big deal. For her, it was almost about all that she had. So, even Jesus made that point, and therefore he is admonishing us, there's more admiration for somebody like that than for somebody who gives a lot of money. But in some churches, if you give more, you're automatically, you know, somebody special. My son is a pastor in a church in San Antonio. Ah, I, for, I forget that story. I forget that story. It's all right. It's all right. I'll tell you another story. You remember a guy named Don Babin? Don Babin, similar story. He started a church in Texarkana years ago. And one man came and boom, 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 showed his money. And he wanted to have a high position in the church. Well, Don advised him right quickly that, hey, here, if you want a high position in the church, you get to wash feet. You wash some feet, we, we give you a good position. And he walked out, and I told Don, we have been good friends for over 30 years. When he told me this on the phone, I say, Don, thank God. God saved you from building a church on someone who has money. Amen. Let him go. Build the church on people who belong to Jesus regardless of their money. That they have a lot of money is not against them. But it's neither for them. When somebody has just a little bit of money, it's not against them. It might actually be for them. But anyways, you need to hear that. Okay. Uh, in a club, you have to pay dues every month. If you stop paying dues, what happens? You cannot go to the club. In the church, if you stop paying dues, let's call it dues, there's no dues in the church. And the stuff, if, you, if, if sometimes you cannot give because you find yourself in a bind, the church helps you. They take a collection for you. Okay, enough of, have enough of the club type member and the body type member? I, I, I want to give you one more example. Because 
you can sense from my voice and my intensity how, um, how, how I think about this. That people sometimes, because of whatever means, they are considered more prominent than other people in the body of Christ. This is a no-no with me, just about as big as they come. So, have you ever flown in an airplane? Airplane. So, in the airplane, like in some churches, you have like first class and the rest. Yes? Have you been in an airplane? First class? Have you gone first class? Yeah, some of you have been fortunate. So, maybe you were just traveling tourist class or whatever the other class is, and then you just got bumped up because it was all taken. You got bumped up. Oh, man. I've never seen this before. First class. Oh, you know, the, the, you know the definition of not first class? The definition of not first class is like this. I get in the plane early. I take my seat. I lean back. I have some leg space, some elbow space. And then a guy comes sit next to me to my right. And a guy comes sit next to me to my left. And they spread their legs like so. And they spread their elbows like so. Well, I don't like touching guys. So when they spread their legs like this, I go like this. And their elbows, and I go like this. So then pretty soon, I'm flying to Ghana for nine hours. But in first class... You get to even these days lay down. Then when you're traveling, not first class, you know, I'm sitting. Remember, I got a cheap ticket. The cheaper the ticket, the further back you are. So I'm in one of the last few rows, as usual, you know, uh, where there's all this noise when people, you know, that's also where the bathrooms are. Remember? So every time somebody goes to the bathroom... I was just dozing off. But then when you're in the air, at a certain point, they close the curtain. Have you ever wondered what goes on behind that curtain? (laughs) You can't find out because if you go beyond that curtain, they ask you to go back. But I need to go to the bathroom and stick it. No, 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 sir. You have to go to the back. You hold it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, my brothers and sisters, this is sometimes how it is in the church. You feel like there's first class, first class, and then the rest. This cannot be here. This will never be here as long as I'm pastor. If it happens, I'm gone. It can't happen in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for everybody. And it is his instruction that we treat everybody the same. So, uh, anyways, there is another curtain. That you don't have to pay to go beyond that curtain. 
Jesus paid for that on the cross. That you didn't have to pay to go beyond that curtain. The Lord himself tore that curtain open from top to bottom. Zoom! So that now from this moment on, you can get in the presence of God himself. And he paid it in full. Because he thought, I love this person so much. They can go beyond the veil. They don't even have to open it. I tore it for you. Hallelujah. 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 So dear, my, my dear brothers and sisters, let me see what time it is. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I have another about 15 minutes, so no, I won't take it. Uh, so this is the scoop. This is the way the church is supposed to be. I read you the list again, and then, then, I'm, then I'm sort of done. Um, <laughs> sort of done. Um, here is the list. So the church, I gave a definition. The church, a group of baptized believers, flawed to be sure, growing together in the love of Christ. This is part of the idea of growing together in the love of Christ. That we treat everybody the same. As soon as you become a respecter of person, my brothers and sisters, you're on the wrong track. Correct it and come back on the right track. Guard your heart. If you feel like you have a problem in this area, is it possible that you have a problem in this area? It is quite possible that you have a problem in this area. Guard your heart as a Christian. It is not of God. Am I talking too loud? Maybe, but I'm, I'm excited. This, this stuff gets me excited. So, we talk about believers, baptized, flawed, growing together, building uh, in the love of Christ. The second point is the church, a spiritual house. The third point is the church, together, God's dwelling place. The fourth point is the church, unity and oneness. Unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. Uh, the fifth point, the church, her working and her mission. The sixth point, the church, a sweet-smelling savor. The seventh point, the church, a place of healing and growth. We talked about that today. The eighth point, the church, a living body. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Next week, we are going to talk about the church, a family. A family. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about the fact that we are a family, and God has given us a family name. And then, tenthly, the church growing in love the ultimate goal that the church would love uh, like Jesus loves. Let us pray.